Hello, I'm Nathan Armstrong. And I'm Andrew Delvecchio. And this is your Soccer Survival Guide. So today, we have your survival tip number two. We have an EPL review. We've got Transfer Roundup. We have Ask Me Anything. But first, Andrew, I saw straight out of Compton last night. Oh, boy. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. And, oh, uh, boy. Yes. And it was good. It was actually really good. I recommend everyone go and see it. It was nice because I got to see my old hood a little bit, which was, which was cool. Um, but it got me to thinking. There are a bunch of uh, rap artists and characters in Straight Outta Compton. Uh, so I, I got to thinking, what would these, who would these characters be if they were soccer stars? So to start things off, Andrew, oh I have a list. Of, have you seen the movie? I have not. <laughs> Do you know anything about uh, like a, a late 80s, bit. early 90s gangster rap? A little bit. West Coast gangster rap. All right. I have... also into the late <clears throat> 90s West Coast pop punk. All right. So this will be good. This will be good. Uh, I have a list of characters here. You may or may not know them. You'll know some of them tangentially. And we're going to figure out who these are. I know three of them. Oh, good. <laughs> we're going to figure out who no, these are. No, I know are. four. I know four. <laughs> who these are. Uh, in, in the soccer world. All right. Who's that first one there? Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Uh, so Ice Cube was part of NWA. He, he was. was the main lyricist for them. Uh, he had arguably the most talent, certainly the most writing talent for, for the lyrics and all of this. Also the star of the Friday series. Yes. He wrote the Friday series. Friday is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And then he left NWA over, uh, because he wanted to make it big on his own. And he did make it big on his own and then experienced some sort of a career transition. In the solo world, and then it moved into the movies, become a big time star on his own. You know who Ice Cube is? Ice Cube is Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh boy, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Not everyone likes, but uh, but everyone acknowledges his talent. And he went to Real Madrid from Manchester uh, United. Uh, he was a big star at Manchester United, but became a, a global superstar, pretty much running the show at uh, at Real Madrid. Okay. Okay. Yes, Ice Cube is Cristiano Ronaldo. Who's number two? Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. He's the headphone guy, right? <laughs> yes. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> He's the headphone guy. He was also, also found Eminem. Yes, I know he who did. he is. I'm just naming him. Yes. Well, but Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, uh, was part of NWA. He was so important because he provided the he provided the beats and the hooks, and he produced. All of the all of the songs. He was revolutionary for his time, and uh, when he first got on, he completely changed the genre uh, for them. And then he sort of went into the background and disappeared for a little bit, and people were wondering what he was doing if he was still stuck in the past. Until he revitalized himself again mm-hmm. uh, with you know the headphones, as you like to say. Well, he also revitalized himself as a producer through yes, most of the two yes, thousands. Yes. As much as we joke, he did essentially single handedly put Eminem on yes. the map. You know who he is? Who is he? He's Arson Fechner. Uh, okay. <laughs> when he burst onto the scene, he completely changed the English Premier League. Took over the he took over the world and those Arsenal teams who had unparalleled success. And then he then through financial restrictions or whatever went away. And then came back into his own in the last few years, winning back-to-back FA Cups. Okay, if that's what if that's what you got to tell <laughs> Wait, yourself. Wait, who do you, you? You you can. You... I don't know this well enough. <laughs> you've sprung this on me, and I have no idea what we're. Well, doing. who would you who would you say he is? Doctor Dre. I yeah. don't know him well enough. I think it's disrespectful to Doctor Dre to try to tag someone when I don't know his career well. Nah, enough. we don't. We don't give a shit. I don't know. Manuel Pellegrini. 
Manuel Pellegrini. My, uh, because <laughs> okay, <laughs> he he won. I, I'm doing it strictly off of the last three years. He won, and then suddenly he disappeared, and now he's found all his young talent, and he's back on the map again. Okay. So. <laughs> We're going to talk Manuel Pellegrini a bit later. Yes, we definitely need to talk about him. <laughs> all right. The next one, the next one, uh, you probably know the name. I don't know Shug how much Knight. you know. Not about much, but I know the name. Suge Knight. Okay, so if you had to guess, if you had to guess, who is Suge Knight? Isn't he the, the, the record producer right now? He keeps getting in a lot of trouble. He's the record producer producer with him and uh, Dr. Dre. He founded uh, Death Row Records. That's it. That's he's, the one. He's also kind of a thug. Basically forced people. This should be a special thing. <laughs> this should not be our intro. This will be like a special release. Nathan goes over Compton. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. Uh, he, he forced people into signing contracts. He uh, allegedly beat the crap out of Easy e uh, in order to release Dr. Dre and others from their contract. He was a total and utter thug, yet had unparalleled success with Death Row Records. Who do you, who does that sound like to you? Jose Mourinho? Jose Mourinho! Of course <laughs> it is! He's Jose Mourinho, the special one, who's also a, who's also a thug and uh, will accept no wrong. I think we need to change the title of this podcast to Survival Tips and Nathan Hates Jose Mourinho. I do hate just, Jose Mourinho. Just, just every chance you get. Sure. He's Jose Mourinho. All right. Now, now, now it gets a little more complicated, I think. Easy E. You know who Easy E is? I've heard of him, but I don't really know him. Easy E was the founder of Ruthless Records. He was the, he was the main guy for the NWA, which has brought all these guys together. He put the money up front, which uh, he got by not so legal means, uh, and started, started Ruthless Records. So, Easy E in Manchester City. <laughs> All of it. Just Manchester City? Manchester City. Because uh, Manchester City brought in a bunch of talent and was able to put the money up through nefarious means and through other, and through less than, uh, probably uh, within the spirit of the game means and was able to. Oh my break gosh. Out. Spirit of the. Uh, you always complain about the money things. Listening to an Arsenal fan complain about money is like listening to a Red Sox fan oh. complain about Yankees fans and money. Oh, we're going to get into that later. You trust me. You trust me. But, but Easy E is Manchester City. Okay. Okay. Snoop Dogg. I know him. Oh, you know Snoop Dogg. I know Snoop Dogg. You know, you know Snoop Dogg. For a while, Snoop Lion. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, what do you know about Snoop Dogg? I mean, Snoop Dogg, he wasn't actually in NWA. He just uh, worked with them a bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been, he has stuck around forever. Right. He has had probably in the rap world, it seems the most staying power as a rapper of all these guys. Mm -hmm. So uh, he just keeps <laughs> kicking away and kicking away. I'm going to say Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi? Just, just kicking away no matter who's around him. You know, I like it. I, 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 I like Lionel Messi. I'm going to approve that one. I approve Lionel Messi yes. for, for Snoop Dogg. I approve Lionel Messi. Um, the most talent, maybe, of, of all of them with the, you know, you know, you can debate that with Ice Cube or yeah. some of the other guys. But yeah, uh, came in, kind of did it, did his own thing, but he collaborated with Dr. Dre on Chronic, which was one of the biggest albums of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and has collaborated with all the with with all of these with all these people, sort of like Lionel Messi collaborates with the best talent in the world at at Barcelona. So, uh, so uh, yes, I'm gonna do that more audibly so make sure the mic gets it. Ugh. Ugh, Barcelona, Barcelona, and the last one. I'd be very surprised if you know who this is. I guess. All right, last one is Jerry Heller. 
I don't. Jerry Heller with Easy E founded Ruthless Records, but he also oh. he also uh, scammed a lot of the other members out of uh, out of a lot of money. He took took twenty percent off the top. Which, by the way, how much is a manager supposed to take? Ten percent. Fifteen. Manager oh. takes fifteen. I'm thinking agent. Yeah, agent <laughs> takes ten percent. Uh, so Jerry Jerry Heller, the financial person behind the scenes, uh, opened up a lot of doors, but created a lot of. But created a, a a lot of money for himself more than anyone else. Jerry Heller is Super Agent Mendez. Yeah, I was just, they were just talking about him. That's actually. right. That's right. The, Obviously, because it's transfer deadline day. That's right. The guy in the pocket of Manchester United and Monaco, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Yes, uh, he is a he is a super agent and not not altogether a very nice guy, from what I understand. No, so. but he gets the job done. It's like what what's his name in baseball who represents everyone? Scott Scott uh, Boris. That's it. Yes, yes. If you want to make money, you go to Scott Boris. Yes. If you want to win, you go to another agent. Yep. <laughs> and there you go. So our straight out of Compton. Line up more, of more yours than stars. Mine. <laughs> Ice, uh, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Suge Knight, Easy E, Snoop Dogg, and Jerry Heller all represented here. Oh boy. <laughs> and now that brings us to survival tip number two. Survival tip number two, which is pick a damn league. Pick a league. We have very different views on this. We do have very different views. Okay. So you are a fan of Several different leagues. Why don't, yes. you, why don't you explain a little bit about what leagues you're a fan of? Uh, I'm a fan of essentially any league that I have uh, family heritage in. So I like, I do watch the Premier League. I watch the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I can, I at least keep up with it on score sheets, uh, Serie A, mm-hmm. and I watch MLS. Okay. Um, I love soccer, so I want to get as much as I can. I do have trouble getting into a team that there is no connection to whatsoever. That's probably why I don't really watch La Liga. I don't have any... Spanish roots or anything like that, uh, but I love taking in as much soccer as possible. But I also am a weird. I have a weird quirk where I'm like, there has to be some kind of connection to that team for me to like it. Like my grandpa came from Dortmund. My family in Italy came from Napoli. Somewhere down the line, we had someone in London, uh, which is one of the reasons I picked West Ham. Uh, and then I support NYCFC since it's ten minutes from my house right now, and my mom grew up in New York City, so. That that strategy would be problematic for me because I'm Scottish and Swedish, so uh, I don't. You know, <laughs> it's pretty difficult to watch the SPL or the or the uh, Alta Vizadalen or whatever the hell the, the Swedish league is called <laughs> for me. So, um, so I am pretty much just a Premier League fan. I will watch. Uh, I will watch the Bundesliga on occasion. I will watch the French Liga on occasion. I, I will give you credit. You've been to multiple bars with me and watched my Italian and German teams play. Right. Um, but pretty much just a Premier League fan. So we can go through the leagues really fast. The Premier League is by far the most physical league of any of the big leagues. Yes. Um, they tend to let more go. Uh, the, the defenders are taught to body people. The, um, the attackers can, can beat beat up the defenders pretty much if they want to and will not often get called for that. So the Premier League is a more physically demanding league. In addition, they have more they just have more games. So they uh, so they are more physically taxed uh, in the Premier League as opposed to the other leagues. But the uh, the advantage of the Premier League is a it's got the best coverage. It does, leagues. 100%. It's easiest to watch of any of the big leagues. Um, you can watch, you can like any of the 20 teams of the Premier League, and thanks to like apps and tablets and stuff like that, you see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the most money in the Premier League across yes. the board. 
uh, which we'll see, which we'll see in a bit here, that there is so much money now that every team has good players on it. And in addition, the nice thing about the Premier League is any team can lose to any team on any given day, which is not the case with some of the other leagues across. No, the no, and especially with La Liga. And I agree with yeah. you, La Liga. It's pretty football. It really is. It's yeah. pretty soccer to watch. Yeah. But it's even with Barcelona winning games one zero, they're still winning almost every game they're yeah. playing. Yeah. Uh, whereas the gap between team number one and team number 20 in the Premier League is not nearly as wide. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we'll see, as we saw this last week, there are upsets all, that happen all the time, and mm-hmm. any team any team can win. The Premier League is slightly lower scoring. You can argue that that's because there's better defense or there's not as much attacking flair. Uh, I, tend to, I tend to go towards the latter. Me too. I would on that, that. There, there isn't as much attacking talent in the Premier League, um, or as much attack day, attacking tactics. Uh, speaking of tactics, the Bundesliga. If you yes. want, if you want a, if you want a tactical education, you yes. watch the Bundesliga. I was just gonna say that. I mean, yes. talk about stereotypes, but those Germans be organized. Yeah, they're they're. Oof. Uh, they you you see not just organization, but you see I feel like a lot more exper- experimenting with your lines and, and your your tactics. There are there are very different systems where it will compare it to to the Premier League. Pretty much everyone now in the Premier League plays some version of a four two three one. Like yes, four two three one or a four three three. Those are the those are the predominant um, the predominant systems in the Premier League right now. In the Bundesliga, you've got three five <clears throat> three five two. You've got four one four one. You've got all kinds of different strange tactical uh, tactical systems, and they're all very well organized and done so that you can actually see them take place. And it's interesting having having gone from Klopp last season to Tuchel this season. Just watching Dortmund, they were the most tactically interesting of all the teams I've watched. They 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 seem to change up and try new things more than anyone else. And it was great. So Bundesliga is fun. Also has become probably the second easiest one to watch. That's right. Um, I will say that I had trouble getting the Dortmund game this past weekend. Uh, Fox still isn't showing everything, but they're showing it more often than you could see it before. That is that is the case. And Fox Sports is not on as many cable packages, so it's a little yes. little more difficult. But, you know, steal someone blogging or something. Yeah. Um, the or borrow it. And the other major league, uh, which we're not going to touch on too much, is League A for a couple of reasons. One, it's really hard to to watch. You can't. It's good football. I like watching it when I can, but it's hard to it's hard to get a hold of here in the United Mm -hmm. States. Uh, The other reason is it is so top heavy right now. I would argue it's one of the it's besides maybe Bundesliga the most top heavy. And historically speaking, it's been fairly top heavy. Lyon had a run where they just dominated, and now. With all the with all the money coming in, PSG are just dominating the league, and they'll have it probably wrapped up by April. Or, or if you're Andrew Del Vecchio on loan on FIFA 15, RC Lols, RCD Lols, or whatever sure. they're called. Yeah. So, uh, but if you can't get a chance to watch, especially if you watch watch PSG, uh, they're a fun team to watch because there is a ton of talent there. Yes. But it's not the most competitive. No. So uh, our there's survival there's- tip number two. Pick a damn league. If you like pretty football and you want to watch the best players in the world, you watch La Liga. If you want to see organized defense and um, and good good tactics, good tactics, you can watch uh, Serie A. If you want to see rough and tumble football and uh, 
and have every match in doubt, you watch the English Premier League. And if you want to see innovative tactics and organization, you watch the Bundesliga. And if you want to see the growth of a sport in a country and you want easy access as well because it's shown on most uh, local stations now, go to MLS because I also watch MLS. And uh, it's not going to be the prettiest soccer you watch, but it's going to be nice to have something that you're rooting for in your country. Survival tip number two, pick a damn league. Now we come to our review section. <sighs> it's been an interesting week. It's been uh, it's been Damn. a fun week. It's been a strange week. Let's talk of, uh, briefly about some of the matches that happened. Uh, I have a few highlighted here. The first one, we need to talk about Crystal Palace 2, Chelsea 1. Crystal Palace yes. continuing to do well. Uh, my prediction from last week is looking better and better. No, I'm going to raise your prediction and say my surprise top four is going to be Swansea. Yeah. They, they are playing out of their minds. For the record, neither one is making the top four. These are surprise, like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened picks. But the demise of Chelsea continues. Yeah, uh, and every it's always something else's fault, the yeah. fact that they're not doing well. At Stamford Bridge, Jose Mourinho's side loses to Crystal Palace. Yep. Uh, Crystal Palace were good value. for It's not as if they just poached a couple of goals. Yeah. They, uh, they played toe-to-toe. Now, a draw may have been a fair result, uh, but it's certainly not an unfair result for for them to have beaten uh, have beaten Chelsea. So, uh, what do you think's going on? What do we think's going on with Chelsea? Like they were everyone's pick to win the league, and now they are nine points. Yeah, Chelsea train has behind stalled. Manchester City, who are who continue their role. Well, the problem is. Terry Ivanovich, the defensive line, they're not playing like they did last year. It just They're just not. And unfortunately, it looks like the few things they tried to fix were the few things they that didn't need to be fixed before the deadline closed. Uh, they got Pedro, that's great and all, but at the same time, the thing that's falling apart is the back four. That's mm-hmm. what's falling apart. So I think they weren't expecting this. And they don't almost, it almost seems like they don't want to face it. Like they're like, oh, oh, next week it'll get better. They were so good last year that next week they're going to be better, we swear. And they're just only four games in, but right now they're just not getting better. You expect them to fix it. Um, I think one of the big problems, in addition to back four issues, um, is the, the two in front of the four. So Chelsea, like everyone else in the league, play a two, uh, a four, two, three, one. It's interesting. You've got Emmanuel Matic, who, as I said, is one of the best one of the best holding midfielders in the league, if not in Europe, playing poorly. He's not having a good year so far. But you also have, they have Cesc Fabregas sitting deep with him, and that is not his role. I've been watching him in Arsenal for so many years. He played in a, in a sort of number 10 type role, a more mm-hmm. forward role. And so him playing deep, he provides less cover for that back four. And when you have... Uh, Matic and um, and Terry, although Terry didn't play this last week because he was suspended, uh, and Cahill back there. You don't have anyone who's really <laughs> quick, so those balls in behind are really going to cause problems. The other thing that's shocking to me is how teams are just going after Branislav Ivanovic. Mm-hmm. And how they how they have said, hey, this was one of the best defenders in the league, probably the the best right back in the league last year. And now teams are just running over him. Mm-hmm. It started with Swansea and, uh, and went with uh, went with Man City, and then Crystal Palace just said, hey, let's go at him. And so uh, so you've got questions all along that back four as Bilicueta hasn't been playing very well this year either. So it's very interesting with Chelsea uh, falling off the table. 
that said, they're going to come back. Josie Mourinho, you know, Suge Knight is going to beat some people up and we'll, uh, they'll figure it out. But it's a shocking, shocking scoreline. I want just once Jose Mourinho to take just some responsibility for the loss. <laughs> just once. Yeah, good luck with that. I want a million dollars. The next uh, the next match, uh, Swansea 2, Manchester United 1. Man, Swansea is right now looking good. Yeah. Monk is managing well. They're all playing well. They're a fun team to watch play. They pass the ball well, but they're not so tiki-taka. They can play direct. Gomez has the best goal celebration of anyone in the in the league. <laughs> the lion or the panther or whatever it is he's calling. It's uh, it's brilliant. I'll do I'll do terrifying. Quick shout out here. I'm excited that we're talking about Swansea because it's Liz's birthday today. Happy Friend birthday, Liz. Is like the only person who loves Swansea that I know. So happy birthday. <laughs> and we're talking about them winning. <laughs> yes, they yes they are. And they are in the top four. They are in the top four right now. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we so, are the Swans. Yeah, that was for you. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, and they played well. And again, you know, Manchester United, they hadn't been playing well this year, but they've gotten the points. And now they didn't play well and they didn't get the points. And yeah. So, as an Arsenal fan, that makes me happy. <laughs> but, uh, but they have, over the last two years, spent what, 250 million pounds bringing people in. And it doesn't look like it's clicked so much. I mean, Memphis Depay looks pretty good, but he hasn't linked up. Rooney is um, is having trouble in that lone striker role, although they brought in someone at the deadline. An 18-year-old for an ungodly amount of money from right. Mass Monaco. Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird. Uh, the big-time teams that we expected to be up there are struggling, Chelsea and Manchester United. Liverpool also struggling a little bit. Uh, we will. I love this game. We will talk a little bit about this. Why don't you say that? What was the scoreline? It was actually uh, West Ham United three, Liverpool nil. Liver West Ham three, Liverpool nil. First time they've won at Anfield in fifty-two years. <laughs> so, uh, so someone's excited about uh, that. So happy about that. Okay, well, you take us through the game just a little bit. Um. Let's be honest, Liverpool was really, really, really sloppy. Like, Skrull was off, Lovren was off. Like, a lot of this was uh, West Ham, and people kind of take away from West Ham for this. It, it's very much with Arsenal where they were taking advantage of poor decisions. Well, I actually would fight that it has a lot to do with, like, hustle. Noble put a really calm rebound in the back of the net. Uh, Lanzini was all over the place. The Lanzini looked great. All over the place. He was great. I actually, for a second there, wasn't sure I was a fan of him because I didn't like the kind of whether it's my team or not, I don't like the tool bag thing where when he's getting subbed off to waste time, you start taking off his shin pads on the pitch. But uh, Lanzini was everywhere. Noble's on top of it, which I may add, they just rescinded his red card because that was a soft red. Right. That was a soft, soft red. It looks like they're going to lose to Newcastle next week and beat Manchester City. Yeah. <laughs> because... I would take both those results. Perfectly happy <laughs> with both of those. It's ridiculous. Just... Yeah. But they need to find their their... They need to find their identity a little bit. Because you lose at home to Bournemouth and Leicester and win on the road to Liverpool and Arsenal. Maybe Andy Carroll will play a single match this year. <laughs> uh, any, any other games you want to talk about? Any other matches? Yes, I want to ask you something. Okay. Um, Arsenal, yes? is it time to panic? Because they lose to West Ham at home yeah. and they beat... Yes, they won this weekend. But they beat a Newcastle who went down to 10 men 
and the only goal they won off of was technically an own goal from Newcastle. Right. How do you feel about Arsenal um, in these four I, matches? Well, I mean, the performances haven't been great, that said. They're, they're five points off of Man City. They're top six right now, and they're fine. Now, we'll talk about their transfer policy in a second. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy. It's very hard to take anything from this game, all right? If the first 15 minutes, Arsenal dominated, and that was without the red card. And then the red card happened, and the game just changed completely. And Newcastle put everyone behind the ball, stuck everyone in the box, and dared Arsenal to break them down. You always got the feeling that they were going to do it at some point in time. They got the goal, and then they just said, okay, fine, we will just kick the ball around and make Newcastle come at this. Newcastle didn't, and so they won one. That said, it's a little concerning that the leading scorer on Arsenal is OG, and that's not Olivier Giroud, that's own goal. (laughs) But do I think that they'll figure out how to score goals? Yes, there's too much talent in the team not to. Ironically, I think they would have scored two or three or four had Newcastle stayed at 11 men. That's the way the game was looking. Um, but when they went down to 10, it became a much, much different fight. Even more defensive. So no, I don't think it's time to panic, and I don't think there's particularly anything we can learn from the game from either Newcastle or Arsenal uh, because of the specific circumstances of how the game went, went about. The thing that would make me panic... And we'll get on. We'll get onto this right now. Is Manchester City, who continues to win and continues to buy players, and spent uh, spent a hundred and fifty two million pounds on players this this transfer window, it, shattering the transfer record. It's insane because it was like you already owned, at this point, just this many games into the season, you already owned a Ferrari while everyone was driving a Ford Focus. And then you put a rocket engine on the back of it. Like, it was ridiculous. The fact that they didn't really even need to fix anything, they just made themselves better. Right. Uh, and so, bringing in Kevin De Bruyne, who we discussed briefly last week, but for however many 59 million pounds or something ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in addition to already bringing in Raheem Sterling for 48 million pounds and a bunch of other players, really sets off sort of the alarm bells on transfer spending, okay? At the other end of the table, Arsenal spent 13 whole million pounds on one signing, Peter Cech, uh, and they brought in a 15-year-old kid for the academy. So and I have here... And they send Zalem out on loan. And they sent a million players out on loan, yeah. Which is what you, which is what you do. I mean, they're a big squad still, and so you need to. These players need to get some uh, some experience. So this is interesting. I have here, I have here the chart for for spending. Okay, Man City one hundred fifty four point two million spend. Man United one hundred fifteen point three million spent. Chelsea seventy three point three million spent. Uh, for the record, Josie Mourinho talking about other teams buying uh, titles. Well, he. He spent the third most in the league. And then look all the way down here. Arsenal, 13 million spent, the third lowest in the entire in the entire EPL, just uh, just behind Norwich and Swansea. So it's obviously different philosophies, but it's interesting. Um, Man United, I find the most interesting. They brought they brought in Martial, uh, f- who is, as you mentioned, a 19 year old kid, oh my gosh. to play center forward and. Theory and they spent what thirty five million pounds on him, which is uh, not chump change. Yes, uh, for a guy who's never done it, who's, who's never done not it, proven at all. Right. 
so what do we think? Panic buy? Yes. Yes, it is a panic buy. All right. <laughs> you already were like dancing a line of uh, are we back or are we not? Yes, Wayne Rooney scores three goals against Club Bruges, but I hate, I'm not trying to put down anyone, but it's Club Bruges. They're yeah. not going up against Chelsea. They're not going up against Arsenal. They're not going up against Real Madrid in the Champions League. They're mm-hmm. going up against Club Bruges. And suddenly, right afterwards, boom, you lose to Swansea. Yeah, I think that was a huge, like, oh boy. Like, even if they were on the line about it, they're like, this is it. Gotta do it. The other interesting ones I'm looking at here, uh, Tottenham spends 53.2 million pounds, and they don't look very good. <laughs> I feel bad, but I kind of feel like, on who? Well, and... Like, just with the way they're playing. Yeah. Liverpool. Liverpool spends 88 million pounds. Now, granted, they... Uh, chunk that's Benteke. Yes. Christian Benteke. So, the reports are... That this transfer window, the Premier League spent eight hundred and seventy million pounds. That's what I don't know, one point five billion dollars or something like that. Wow! On players, and the question is, who's better? Who got significantly better? Now, Manchester City obviously yes. got significantly better. Uh, who else? Who do we think is actually better, having spent money? I'm I'm not just saying this. I think West Ham's better. West Ham is better. I think they're much better. I think okay. there's a little bit of depth there. If they don't you who panic. said last week that they're in danger of getting relegated. Yeah, but I'm just saying, this is one week later, the transfer deadline has changed, and they have a lot more depth to them than they had before. Last time, if someone wasn't doing well, who the heck was behind them? I, I don't know anyone who is just, like, notably better. Right. I think Liverpool fixed a lot of stuff they needed to fix, but I don't know if they're there yet. Yeah. Manchester United, as we said, spending 115 million pounds, and they look about the same. Yeah. They look bereft of options up front. Now they lost Angel Di Maria. <laughs> they had a funny David De Gea transfer saga. Oh my gosh. Who's still there. Doesn't want to be. Ridiculous. So, the transfer window has happened. Just now I have to hear about it for the last six months. Teams have spent money. Teams have not spent money, as Arsenal... As and we'll see how it all shakes out. Now the real now the real season begins uh, after the interval. Yeah. So now, Andrew, let's. We've come to my favorite part. Andrew, ask me anything. Okay. So I got a new set of five questions here five for questions. Nathan. It'll spark some conversation with us, and it makes him talk to me about stuff that he sometimes doesn't want to talk about, <laughs> like this. Siri Ah. Siri Ah. Are they benefiting right off the bat? Juve has lost. Both their first games. They okay. lost at home for the first time in decades. They lost to Roma, who is arguably the only person who's going to challenge them this season. Or the only team. Um, that's what I meant. <laughs> you know what I meant. Don't be an ass. Uh, Have you met me? But do you think this is going to help Serie A if there's a little bit more parity on top? So it's not just, I'll watch Champions League because I know the only team I'm going to get to see anyway is Juventus. Having, even though Napoli has a slow start, Napoli, who could possibly enter, Milan, Fiorentina for, finished fourth, you have Roma, uh, all these teams, Torino got to Europa last year, all these teams coming up now, do you think the fact that maybe it looks like the, the squad is a little better, the, the whole group is a, a little better, is going to help Serie A's profile? No. Here's why. I think even though, I think it's less of other teams getting better, although that has happened, and more of Rome of uh, Juventus coming back to the pack. Juventus lost Arturo Vidal. They lost Pirlo. They lost a lot. They lost a lot of players. Um, they still have Paul Pogba for now. They still have Pogba. They still have um, 
Buffon, and they still have Chiellini. Those yeah. are the big names they really have. Right, and one of those is a goalkeeper, and one of those is a defender who's most well-known for getting bitten. He's a good defender. I don't like Chiellini. I haven't watched it. He's a good defender, but yes, he was the guy who got bit. So the the biggest problem with Serie A is that they don't have the world-class stars, especially the attacking stars that the rest of the world, that the rest of the big leagues and the big clubs have. Now, what will help is if AC Milan and Inter Milan, especially uh, the historically good teams in Serie A, if they come back into the fold and they start doing well on both a domestic and an international sense, then I think that those teams, that Serie A's profile will increase. But until, A, there's more money in Serie A, and B, you get to see more and more big-time stars in the league, it's going to be a problem on the international stage. Transfer, winner, loser. Okay. I'm going to go loser first. Loser, please. Uh, I think the biggest loser is the Arsenal fans. Because they are the one team in all of Europe, uh, and all the big five leagues in Europe, not to sign an outfield player. Yep. Now, you can say that they don't need an outfield player, which they... You know, it's debatable. And you can also say that Arsene Wenger has standards. He wasn't going to bring in Martial when, you know, he's not proven for God knows how much money. Mm -hmm. That's not the type of buy that Wenger is ever going to do. So if he's not going to get Benzema and he's not going to, and he's not going to get Cavani, he's not going to go and get some other little whomever. Mm -hmm. Okay. That said, to not bring in anyone is always a disappointment for, uh, for yeah. a fan base, especially a team who hit, whose last check was the ninth richest team in the world. So I say the Arsenal fans are the biggest, <laughs> the biggest winner. The biggest winner are the agents of all the players who who transferred because those agents get a percentage of that transfer oh fee. Uh, and as we mentioned, eight hundred and seventy million pounds just for the Premier League in this window. Um, okay, so. Technology and oh, go ahead, Andrew. Ask me anything. Technology and players—is it killing them? Uh, with the mix-up of not <laughs> properly registering De Gea, and uh, I'm not sure if you heard about uh, Barahino's issue on Twitter, where he actually said something along the lines—I'm paraphrasing a little bit—of I'm contractually not allowed to say how the training te- te- tr- team has been treating me, but I'll never play another game at so and so with West Brom. Right, and now. Now, he is. He's yeah. still there. No, he's and there. so he tweeted that without transfers going through. We've seen uh, Balotelli get uh, get clipped a couple times. We've seen players get fined for their Twitters and their Facebooks. You've seen uh, teams have to take things back. Is technology hurting players more than helping? Is it depends it? on what you mean by that. Because, first of all, technology has enabled them to make as much money as they as See, that they was the other thing. The, They're marketable now. They are much more marketable. Look at Cristiano Ronaldo and how much money he's worth because of his social presence yes. and all of that. Look at David Beckham, right? Who is still one of the most popular football players in the world, even though he hasn't played in six years or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Right? So you take the good and you take the bad. You take the technology, you take technology and yeah. then you have... Yeah, the, the facts of modern soccer. That said, should some players rein it back on Twitter? Probably. But will, will it really hurt them in the end? Probably not, because... Mm-hmm. A manager has to pick the best players to go out on the field. You think West Brom is going to bench Saito Barahino no. because he popped off on Twitter? No. 
No, they can't. He's one of their best players. And he won't refuse to play because he wants to keep in form and right. hope the next window he gets you think money. You think David De Gea is not going to play or they're not going to pick David De Gea, even though Louis van Gaal is like, I'm not sure if he's the best. Well, he's one of the best five keepers in the world, and he just lost a game where a keeper made a mistake. Yes. I mean, it, it would help him in the Champions League, it would help him in Domestic League, yeah. and De Gea wants to play for Spain in the Euros. Right. And it would be wrong of Van Gaal to keep him out of that. So are they killing themselves? now? No. You know, the, the players that it would hurt will, will be the ones that we don't talk about so much, those mid-level to lower-level players who don't have the leverage of being one of the best on their teams. So those are the players it would hurt, but we're not the ones talking about that, so it doesn't matter. True. Andrew, ask um, me anything. I... I'm a big fan of international soccer. Uh, for about eight years before I watched club, I watched almost strictly just international. Sure. Uh, so the Euros, I'm excited for. I'm currently wearing the kit from Italy's 2012 Euro, where they went to the final and got pounded by Spain, but they, they went to the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do Euro qualifiers mean to world soccer? What do Euro qualifiers mean to world soccer? Um, you can kind of encompass Euro in general. The Euro sure. in general. Yeah, the Euro. Well, the Euros... Are the second biggest tournament in international soccer. Mm-hmm. Okay, the World Cup is obviously the biggest, and the Euros are the second biggest. Yes. Okay, because the majority of big teams of of historically good teams. Wait, wait, you're saying that more people watch the Euros than the Gold Cup? Yes. Get out of town. Yes, because <laughs> if you want to look at like the historical big teams in yep. the world, okay, the World Cup winners, okay, historically big teams are. Brazil, Argentina, and you can maybe make the case for Uruguay, and everyone else is in Europe. Okay, mm-hmm. Spain, France, Italy, Germany, Eng- England, uh, Netherlands. At the top of my head, the last three World Cup winners are all Euro. The Euros provide a um, that sort of mid World Cup level for for these teams. Yes. Now Euro qualifiers, on the other hand, unless there's a huge upset, which there often isn't tend to be slogging through the San Marinos and the Faroe Islands and now the Gibraltars of the world, so they don't tend to be that excited. So Euro qualifiers for those who are tangentially interested in international soccer or who are not fans of a specific country don't tend to be as excited. Cool. So, Andrew, ask me anything. Last thing. I believe this is my last... Yes, last one. If you had to pick one song that is currently playing... And Manuel Pellegrini's iPod to describe how he's feeling at the moment. Everyone at the beginning of the season was all on the Chelsea train. He was pretty much either going to be fourth or fifth in everyone's picks. Everyone's less like, they, the only time they talk about Man City is when is Pep getting there? That's the only time they talk. Now they're perfect. They're way ahead of everyone. They're outplaying everyone. They're not even talking about Pep anymore. They're just talking about how awesome Man City is. Now it's only four games in, but at this moment, what is the song that best describes how Pellegrini's feeling and walking around? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> a good full circle you just brought us. There you go. See? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's something like that, because he's feeling great. Um, although, to be fair, not too many people talking about Manuel Pellegrini. Um, they're talking about how much money they're spending and all the great players on that team. So, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. So, Andrew, I have... A question for you. I don't know. You are a West Ham fan. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are a Borussia Dortmund fan. I am. Mm-hmm. And you are a uh, 
a <laughs> Napoli fan there you go. and a Fiorentina fan. I do like an NYCFC fan and a Red Bull fan. No, not anymore. Oh, okay. I thought I, I'd like them and I hope they do well, but I have found myself every time they play really going for NYCFC. Mm-hmm. So. And an Italian national team fan and uh, a German national team fan and an American national okay, team fan. Okay, it, go, it, go, it goes America, <laughs> Italy, Germany, okay? It's my team and then my grandparents' teams. Okay, there you go. So, uh, if you had to pick an all-star team from all of those teams that you love, who who would who would start for you? Holy crap! Like you want a starting eleven? Sure, give me a starting. 11? You can just do it off the top of your head. Okay. Oh uh, crap! Who's who's um, your center forward? Boy, I don't know. They all play so differently. Uh, this is you put me on the spot right now. I really did. Uh, I can give you people that I would want on my team. Sure. I don't know if I could do a starting eleven, who who would you want on your team? Um, I want Adrian between the pipes. Okay. I think he's a he's a good keeper. Oh. Special notice to Josh Saunders, who essentially is out there on an island oh. by himself for NYCFC. Over Timmy uh, Howard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, I'm not happy. I actually one of those people who's not happy with how Tim Howard was just like, I'm going to take some time off. And then he's like, hey, guys, I'm back, so can I have my job back? Uh, I, I respect him for taking the number two spot, but sure. uh, I digress. So I can count the national teams as these. Yeah, as well. why not? Okay. Um, for the Andrew Del Vecchio starting 11, you have Adrian behind the pipes. I promise you that no one on the defense of NYCFC is <laughs> Oh, really? Uh, not a single person. Uh-huh. They might as well just slide four more forwards because they do not. Sure. Um, you got Jenkinson up in that mix? Yes, I do. All right. I have Arsenal-Oni, Jenkinson. I have Cresswell because I've realized something that Cresswell's like the Yaya Torre of West Ham, because when he's okay. having good games, things click more better. Good. Um, Cresswell. You got Jenkinson, Cresswell, Adrian. Um, Chiellini. I'm sorry. I'm, I would put him on the back four. There you go. Bite uh, marks and all. Bite marks and all. All his flopping and complaining. There you he's go. Still, he's still good in the back. God, I'm so bad at this year. Who's, who's up that? Is, is Iguain, is he, he's the best, yeah, of, uh, of, that, of that mix, or is it... Yeah, I, I would put Iguain on there. Okay. I'd also put in midfield, I'd put um, Hamsik from Napoli. That okay. guy is not just a great player, he's a great teammate. I always okay. He's always out there supporting everyone. All right. He hustles, he does what he needs to do, so I'd put him in there. Oh my god, I can't pronounce his name. This is all-star in Dortmund I'd put on there. Uh, I'd put him next to Iguain. Uh, Abba, Abba, Mungyang, Abba, Mungyang, Mungyang. Abba, Mungyang? That's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd put him up there next to Yeah, Iguain. he's a beast. Um, what about Ike? Ike Gundogan? Maybe? Yes, I would put him in there. Marco? Uh, I would put Mark Noble in there. Oh. I put Mark Noble in there because I think he's a lightning rod of of all the people who flipped out about his red card, he was the one who was the most calm about it. So he's good, he's calm, he stays in there. Who do I still got going? Oh, uh is Mueller Mueller is Mueller. on No. No, no. He's on the German national team. Yes, he is. Oh, okay, yeah. There, well, you've got German national you, you just picked a German national team. I, that's true. That's I've been true. trying not to. I've been, I did, tried not to go for um, uh, Manuel Neuer. I tried not to go for him. Yeah. Um, I want to give other people a chance. But yeah, Mueller would Thomas be Thomas Mueller, sure. Uh, you've got about three center forwards now. <laughs> and uh, Urzel. I put Mesut Urzel, who's injured again. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> So thanks I, to thanks to being on international duty with Germany, this is why I don't like these international breaks. Oh, you got hurt with Germany. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even know if that was eleven, but those are some yeah, breaks sure. I'd have. Very good. Go back and count them when we listen to it. I'll be like, wow, I have like eight forwards, three defense, and a keeper, and then yeah. there's one. No, I need to complete the team. Yeah. 
You're fine. Doesn't matter. Cool. Okay. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nathan. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at StrongActing. You can follow me at at AndrewJDV. At AndrewJDV. And until next week, this is your Soccer Survival Guide. Bye.